Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Trojan fans, welcome to the Parasol Podcast on a Tuesday. We're back with myself and Chris Trevino talking about USC Trojan football and a little basketball heading into the Pac-12 tournament. One more regular season game for the Trojans. We'll talk about all that. Lincoln Riley made an appearance at the Galen Center on uh, Tuesday night. It's actually Wednesday. I said it was Tuesday. Today's Wednesday, Chris. I've already screwed up the day. Like, how bad is that? I've screwed up the day. It's Okay. It's one of those weeks. It feels like one of those weeks. It's okay. We're going to get through it. Yeah. We're normally doing our show on Tuesday, or at least we started to do our show on Tuesday, but today's actually Wednesday. Uh, the Tuesday night was the Galen Center game against Arizona. That did not go uh, very well for the Trojans, but we'll get to all that. But we want to get to questions that you've guys had, comments. If you have anything for us on the show, send us an email, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424 424- Two five four nine one four one. That is the number. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, you can follow and leave us a five star rating and review with any kind of comments, feedback, suggestions. We appreciate that. If you have Spotify on your phone, you can leave us five stars there as well. All that helps to grow the show. And we're gonna get this thing rolling. Chris is gonna be back on the West Coast here pretty soon. We got a big recruiting weekend coming up. We have to talk about USC's depth chart. That's gonna be the meat of the show today. And like I said, we're going to do that with Chris Trevino. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris N Trevino. Chris, welcome in. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm excited because this should be our final remote podcast together. Cause I'll be back. As you mentioned this week, I'll be back on the West coast. And then next time you see me or next time we're in, or next, next time we do a podcast, we should be face to face for the first time in a long time. Yes. Uh, Chris is going to have, we just talked about like behind the scenes, he'll have his own key to the studio. He'll be coming in finally doing some, doing some other shows. You're full on member from the very get go, Chris, the from the very, the very beginning. And yeah, like I said, I'm honored. I'm actually very excited to be doing a podcast with the all American star, Ryan Abraham, old ass <laughs> volleyball guy, <laughs> old ass volleyball dude, made your debut. Congrats bearing the lead. Thanks, man. Did you get to see the episode? I have not seen the episode yet because I do not like watch on cable or whatever, or and I don't oh. have that streaming. So I like have to wait till it comes out on Netflix or whatever. Um, so I'm saving it. I'm saving nice. it. But I did get like several people text me and being like, I think I saw Ryan on All American. And I'm like, You didn't you didn't think you saw Ryan. You saw <laughs> Ryan. That was that was him. 
Yeah, this is uh, we talked about this before, but season four of the All American, which is actually, you know, like high school football related show that a uh, buddy of mine does like the stunt coordination for. They needed some volleyball players to play against the main cast of characters, the the, the football players. So I guess a month and a half ago or two, whatever, I went down and filmed a couple days and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but yes, I was on the call sheet it was old ass volleyball guy. Basically, the young kids are on the beach. They're hanging at this beach house and. They don't like their old neighbors who come over and challenge them to a game and they want to get a win. And uh, I don't want to spoil it, but they didn't get it. Um, so anyway, but yeah, it was fun. So I, I was fairly, you know, in the scene, the volleyball scene, I was fairly prominent because we're like playing volleyball against them and stuff. And uh, yeah, it was a terrible net, like a droopy net, a horrible ball, like nothing could have logos on it. Like it's really weird. The sand was awful. But I bet it looks great. I bet it looks. Legit. I'm sure it looks great. Yeah, whatever. It looked okay. Like, uh, it was cold. It was like, you know, middle of January and we had to be like without our shirts on most of the time. Um, but it was fun. It was definitely fun to do. And I started getting text messages. Um, were you on the show? Were you? On? Yeah, I was on the show. So that's kind of cool that people would notice. So there's actually like a beach house party scene later that you can see me a little bit. I filmed that for a while. They didn't yeah, you're use not, that. You're not one and done. You're, you're multi episode guy. No, it's same episode, but the multi oh, scene. Same episode? Oh. Yeah. It's a little later. Like, it's kind of, yeah, the, like the end of the episode, they're like the party at the beach house. I'm like talking with JJ, who's like, you know, me and the, uh, I forget, the hippo. Like, it's like the uh, energy drink people. Um, I'm with the hippo uh, mascot and JJ uh, chatting in the background as uh, the other guys are talking. So it was, it was fun. But I didn't, yeah. I mean, literally, Asher calls me specifically because I had blue shorts on. They're like, blue shorts guy looks like my grandpa. So, you know, that's that's a little rough. And I, he was the nicest. He was the nicest person to me on the stage, on the set or whatever. But uh, in the show, he called me a grandpa. So I was like, oh, that's a bar. But it was fun. We kicked it. It's, it's called acting, Ryan. Oh, is that so? He didn't mean it. No, no, no. I don't think yeah. so. It was actually funny. They expected like kind of old out of shape people and everyone was pretty much in shape. So they, they, the, one of the lines was like, it looks like he's pregnant or something. So they couldn't say that cause no one was fat. <laughs> wow. So I think they added the grandpa line in instead, but. Now just a quick side note, when you're having yeah. a conversation in the background, you're not actually talking, right? You're just mouthing. Yeah. So like pantomime, I think it's called. Okay. Um, yeah. So when we're in the background of, uh, the, uh, scene. Or yeah, the scene. Or so I'm or like a restaurant. A, yeah. So I was a for the the uh, the volleyball thing. I'm like a part of it. Like they're directing me to do stuff, like hit the ball at this guy or whatever. Um, but the the other part was just I was in the background, and uh, yeah. So then you're just like pantomiming, you're chatting. So me and JJ were chatting and with the hippo guy, and then but like it, the really you know Spencer was like on you know he was the one talking. Uh, to other people or whatever. We were just in the background of the whole thing. Or I think there might have been an establishing shot where they show us chatting. I, that might have been it. I don't remember. But I know it was fun. I don't really get into the Hollywood scene. But it was fun to be able to do something like that. And it, to get like texts and tweets like Brian Peroni tweeted at me. This is like a teen drama. So I'm not sure why these adults are watching it. But it was kind of funny. Next time you're having a fake conversation, just talk about how great USCfootball.com is and all the deals and content that we put up. in the I like it. Yeah. It's relevant. True. It's relevant. It is high relevant. School, high school recruiting, high school football, L.A. It's all relevant. It is. Uh, yeah, I guess on the show now, they're going to go off to college. In real life, I think he went to Oregon, right? Like the, because it's based uh, on a real based story. Off, yes, 
guess he went to he went to Oregon. Yeah, cool. All right, well we we rambled on enough about that kind of stuff, but yeah, go check it out. Season four, episode nine is the one I'm in, but it'll be on Netflix like next month. But it's on the CW. Uh, now we also want to thank our sponsor Trader Joe's, who've been awesome to us over the years. I tried uh, needed a little side, Chris, because I I caught some with Catalina, caught some fish, and I was like, you know, I got um, I wanted to get one of the the pre mixed salads I like there, but I was like, I want something kind of more starchy and like. The, uh, I really liked the uh, old fashioned potato salad that they have pre-made. So, uh, try that if you guys get a chance, but then for dessert, they have, uh, mini mint mouthfuls, these ice cream sandwiches. They're kind of like, they're like sandwich cookies, but a little bit thicker. So there's more ice cream in there and there's like 12 of them to a pack and, uh, they are really good. So they're like, you know, you can pop them in your mouth a couple bites. I could probably put a hole in my mouth, but look for the mini mint mouthfuls. Uh, they are really good. I hadn't seen those ones before. I like getting little different ice cream sandwiches from time to time. This was, a, I tried this one for the first time and they were really good. I don't know if that's your, you're up your alley, Chris. Look, you had me at ice cream sandwich. I'm a big <laughs> ice cream sandwich guy. I got a lot of stock in big ice cream sandwich. You, you don't have to sell them anymore. Just bring them to the, bring them to the studio, put them in a freezer. I'm going to go through them. I'm going to yeah. mow them down. I'm not gonna. I I got them two days ago, and like one sleeve is gone. So like four of the twelve are gone. So wow. Um, actually, it might be five. My bad. But <laughs> that's next okay. next time you're on All American, you might actually look pregnant, and they might. I might. Yeah. They might have to if you keep going through this. That's why I got to work out and stuff. Uh, okay. So today we are going to talk about the p- potential depth chart. So we're expecting. We still don't have an announcement as far as spring football goes. When it's going to start. The, the rumor we've been told is it's going to follow along the same format as what we've seen prior. So likely a three-day-a-week sort of thing, a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. We do not know if we have any access, if we have partial access, if we have all kinds of access, and if fans will be able to go. We don't know any of that stuff yet, and I'm assuming because it's taking this long, we're already in March for them to announce something, that this is probably still being discussed uh, inside. I mean, Lincoln Riley Thor was notorious for not allowing um, access to his program. Norman, Oklahoma, a little bit different than Los Angeles. So there might be some internal battles going on. I don't know. I'm not there, but I'm assuming uh, something like that. Chris, where, you know, they're kind of uh, going through this. It's funny. I was listening to a podcast that was uh, from before that was talking about like the Oklahoma, so much from the Oklahoma beat. And like Caleb Williams spoke for the very first time to the media before the Alamo Bowl. Um, and so he had never, Caleb Williams never addressed the media while Lincoln Riley was there because Lincoln Riley had left uh, for the bowl game. So uh, that's going to probably be a different story here, right? Especially with, you know, as, as high profile as Caleb Williams is, you know, giving Beats headphones to the women's, you know, basketball team before the Pac-12 tournament and all that. Uh, I think that's going to change, but we don't, we don't know the spring practice schedule yet. Yeah, and obviously we're in March, so it's coming up on that time. Um, so I'm assuming we're going to get something here pretty soon, you know, hopefully within the next week, because we usually get it a couple weeks in advance so we can kind of plan around, plan our content around that and kind of get a, a plan going. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what the access looks like, what player interviews look like, because last spring we got a lot. You know, we got to watch practice up on from the top of the pool which was a great vantage point. And, you know, we got a lot of access and good stuff. And that was actually one of my 
you know, favorite camps to cover just because of the new vantage point stuff. Um, so, you know, whatever they give us, I hope we get some sort of access, even if it's one practice a week or whatever, I, I will make the most out of that. We will make the most out of that, but I'm hoping we do get some sort of, you know, access because everyone wants to see this team. This team is the, the buzz of around LA. You know, everyone wants to talk about Lincoln Riley and this football team going to 2022. So they have a lot of eyeballs on them. So hopefully they, they, they see that and, you know, want the media to, to cover them like that. Yeah. It's, um, I, we're just hoping for the best. It was a great situation last year, especially like Chris was saying, I mean, yeah, the pandemic and everything just to have content was, Mm -hmm. was amazing. You know, it was such like a whole different thing. So hopefully we're going to get something similar, uh, this time, but you know, one of the things that you're going to find out, there's a whole bunch of new guys on the team. Um, you're going to, you know, we're going to get, get a look at a lot of those guys, especially the transfers. We want to see how the depth chart um, plays out. And Chris has done a great job going in-depth, taking uh, a shot at projecting what this depth chart's going to be. He calls it 1.0 uh, for 2022. And I guess we can start with the offense. Do you want to give any background to this first, or do you want to just jump in? What, yeah, what do you feel yes. like? So I've done the projections pretty much, I feel like every year I've been at 247 and uh, it's hard. The first one is very hard because you don't really have the practice to go off. You have people that leave, you know, whatever. This one's a little more, uh, this one's different just because it is, you know, so many transfers are come in. We haven't seen a practice yet. And this is a whole new coaching staff. So, you know, someone that maybe was at the bottom of the depth chart last, last year might be, you know, a guy they really like or someone they, they, they didn't think was was getting enough playing time that they should have after watching the tape. So we don't really know where former players stand. Uh, you assume that the guys they brought in with transfers, you know, have a little bit more, you know, maybe have a better chance of moving up the depth chart just because they recruited them out of the portal. Um, and so this year I decided to do a little different. I did an expectation, which is sort of the long-term view of how I see the the depth chart playing out by the, by the start of the season. And then I have a reality section. So it's expectation versus reality. The reality is sort of kind of what the position actually reflects right now, which is a lot of, you know, ambiguity. There's not a lot of clarity. I don't really like depth chart that, that have the giant ors, you know, which is like, oh, it's this player or this player or this player as a backup, or it's this player or this player or this player as the starter. I like having, you know, sort of clear and defined. So I, and, and people on the peristyle, also wanted you know more clarity they didn't just want a bunch of oars but some people did want the oars because that's sort of the moment it reflects right now there's not a lot of clarity so i decided to do it sort of both ways i went the long term which is i which is straight up my projections and i kind of wrote about it in the breakdown for each position and then i did sort of a reality of what it sort of more or less looks like right now okay so this was like what the reality is probably going to be when if USC releases something before the first spring practice, uh, which probably won't happen, but maybe after spring practice or something, that's probably what it would look like. Cause they, yeah, it's sort of a more reflection of what we would see in practice. Like, Oh, this person is splitting time with this person, stuff like that. Like, like sort certain jobs are open, like take cornerbacks, like two open cornerback positions. That's going to be a lot of competition. The expectation I'm just picking who I think is going to be the starting quarterbacks and who the backups are going to be. But in reality, it's going to be wide open at the start of spring. So 
it has sort of a listing of who I think will be the main contenders for that spot. So that's how it's sort of breaking down. Expectation, I kind of laid out. This is why I think this person or these people are going to start. Reality is like, this is sort of what it looks like. This is what to look at. Yeah. Okay. Well, you mentioned, well, you mentioned cornerbacks. We could start with quarterbacks if you want to start with offense. And uh, I don't think there's any surprise who we think is going to be the starter with yeah, uh, the no month long. Yeah. The uh, transfer portal, month long courting. The Maybe he's going to go to UCLA. Maybe he's going to be his Wisconsin. Uh, no, he ends up a, at USC and uh, just seems to be crushing the NIL space, but it looks like he'll be the starter, I would guess, for USC. Also, we're talking about Caleb Williams. Yes, and that's sort of how I played it out. My expectations are Caleb Williams, QB1, Miller Moss as that backup, and then Mo Hassan, the redshirt senior, coming off that knee injury, is the, the third string. And in the reality, I still listed as Caleb as the starter. You know, I kind of wrote about how I just don't see how a guy like Caleb Williams, a legitimate Heisman contender, doesn't end up being the QB1, barring, you know, an injury or something. I just think when it's all said and done, it's going to be Caleb. And that backup spot for my reality section is more or less Miller Moss and Mo Hassan kind of competing for that backup job. That's going to be, you know, the main part of spring. And I'm not saying that it's not going to be conducted like a true QB competition. I'm sure there'll be rotation and we'll see that. But I'm just saying that when when we're out there watching it, I mean, if we're watching it, I just think Caleb Williams is going to be on a different level. And it's going to be clear that he is going to be QB1. That's sort of what I'm saying. I think it's going to be evident. You know, we've seen QB competitions where it seems like it's pretty even. You know, some days someone is really good. Other days they take a step back. I just think Caleb, given his experience with Lincoln Riley and this offense already, I just think he's just going to look a lot better, you know, compared to the other guys competing right now. That's yeah, what I'm saying. And we had a breakdown, um, a, you know, a, vi- a film breakdown of some of the Caleb Williams some of his heroics uh, on the site, you can check that out. We also have another, um, RJ Abadia has a profile coming up on Williams. So a lot of information about him up on the website to, to check out. But yeah, this is, uh, you know, barring some sort of injury, the reason you bring a guy like that in, the number one transfer portal prospect ever, I believe, 24-7 Sports said, uh, is coming to be your starting quarterback. And, it, you know, Mosan coming off the, uh, the knee injury, he seems to be really healthy. Uh, getting there, it's you know he's been working really hard uh, on his rehab, so he seems like he's going to be a viable option. He got a start in the SEC. We saw a little bit of M- Miller Moss at the end of last year, um, so you know it, it'll be good to see those guys getting a bunch of reps. But uh, like you said, I think this is the Caleb Williams show going forward. And with that, I think we can run to the next position, which is running back, because that yes. was a pretty clear cut. Running back is a little interesting. Um, my expectation, where I ha- I have the Oregon transfer Travis Dye as the number one guy. Behind him, I have Darwin Barlow, followed by Austin Jones and then Brandon Campbell. Uh, the reality, I still have Travis Dye as the starter in my reality. I just think, you know, he's the man to beat for that starting job. He has the most production. He has the most experience. And, you know, he was one of the top portal transfers, you know, when he, when he entered out of Oregon. And, you know, he fits this offense perfectly. He's a tough runner. You know, he's not a super fast guy, but he's tough. He puts up numbers, and he's an elite pass catcher out of the backfield, which is something you know Lincoln Riley really values. Um, and then sort of that backup spot in the reality section, I just had you know Darwin, Austin, and Brandon Campbell fighting for that hierarchy behind behind Travis Dye. 
And I sort of went with Darwin Barlow. I know a lot of people, you know, Austin Jones, he was also recruited out of the portal. But I don't think that should scare off anyone thinking that Darwin, you know, can't compete for that backup spot and win that backup spot. When he played behind Keontae last season, I saw a lot of flash. He He's a good runner. He's got a little bit of that track speed. You know, he's shifty. He can make people miss. He, could, he ran some people over. He's a good pass catcher as well. So I'm sticking with Darwin Barlow, someone I was high out of high last high on last year you know he got a little banged up at times slow start for him but you know i'm expecting kind of a big spring from him so i'm going with darwin as that backup i know that might be a little controversial with austin jones also coming in but i think it's really close in that those two spots right there this is a really interesting one for me all around because okay okay you're getting i mean you got oregon's main back right uh you know Stanford, you could argue Austin Jones was Stanford's best bet. They had two backs, and you know both of them transferred out. Uh, Jones ends up at USC. Barlow transferred in the year before, and we really liked what he was bringing to the table. Just watching him at his first few practices, you're just like, oh, who's that guy? You know, and those were like, you know, when we first saw Keontae Ingram, you know, 28, yep, he could play. Like you could, I think we were watching from spring football, like above uh, from the the swim stadium and you're just like right away. You're like, you didn't know the, everyone's number yet, or maybe I didn't, you probably did Chris. And you're like, okay, 28, he can play. And uh, I think the same thing you saw about 22 when you were seeing Barlow down there run. Um, I mean, the, the reality is probably close where you're going to say, you know, give die the edges the starter and then all the other guys are oars. So I, I feel like it's going to be a competition throughout the spring and see what fits, you know, Lincoln Riley's system. I, I feel like, the last couple of years, um, when you had Mike Jenks and, it, you know, he had running backs that he never had before. Like he's, I mean, he told us like, we just, he never had bodies that look like that running his system. And I think Lincoln Riley kind of knows what he's looking for. He's had some different kind of, uh, running back bodies and had a lot of success, bunch of thousand yard rushers along with all those Heisman's and all that stuff. So I feel like he knows what he's looking for here and we'll see. I think there's different roles for the different guys and, we might see more of a rotation. We might see a workhorse. Uh, it's hard to say, but I, this is a real interesting group for me. Uh, and I, but I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how well they perform in, in the spring. And, uh, you know, there's, I think there's good resumes all around for, from all these guys. And the other thing I forgot to mention is obviously there is a really, really good running back coming in, in the summer in Relique Brown, a five-star weapon who could play wide receiver and, you know, is mainly a running back. And he's not even on this depth chart because I only I only factored in uh, freshmen that were that are early enrollees that are here in the spring. I didn't want to even try to, like, think about that far ahead. And those guys will be added in the fall. I noted that in this. So that's something I took into account. But Relique is obviously going to have to fit in somewhere with this room. And even right now, just looking at it, it's a stacked room. And when you add a five-star guy like that, of that caliber... It's just going to take it to a whole nother level. And it's it's a good problem for Lincoln Riley and and Coach uh, Keel McDonald to have is to figure out how to get these guys' touches. Yeah. No, 100%. I think that's, uh, you know, he'll he'll be another wrinkle. And you might see him playing more slot stuff when he comes yeah. in, especially if this is a really – if everyone's performing well and there's not a, a place for him in the running back spot, but they want to get him the ball, get him in space, get him some mismatches – we might see him outside first. So another uh, another thing to look forward to. But I, yeah, that's of all the groups. I mean, that's one of them. I just want to see how these running backs do, especially when you're bringing in two high quality Pac-12 running backs. You know, 
uh, from other teams, from teams you've played. Um, You know, you've played a bit against both of these guys, and now they're on your roster. Where do they fit in? So I'm curious about that. Moving on, we have one of my favorite positions as a former tight end myself. Ah. Uh, uh, The tight end sort of H-back position, as, you know, Lincoln Riley likes to use it as. Um, The expectation for me... I, I went with the young guys, you know, I went with uh, a Lake McCree and a Jude Wolf, you know, two of the youngest guys on, on this, on this depth chart and the backups. I went with the older guys, Malcolm Epps and Josh follow and sort of Lincoln has used the, the or designation a lot with his, with his Oklahoma uh, offensive depth chart. I, I went back and looked. So this feels like a position that's going to get some rotation, at least with the top two, three guys. Um, so I went with McCree and I went with Wolf as those starters. And then I went with Epson. I went with Fallow as my expectation. Ethan Ray falls back into that deep reserve spot. And then, and what I had with the reality is just McCree, Wolf, Epps, Josh Fallow, all of them at the top, you know, competing for that hierarchy. Ethan Ray still at the bottom. And, and I don't want to seem like I'm, you know, putting Ethan Ray down. It's just down. It's just that. You know, he's had the knee injuries and we haven't seen him on the field. You know, sometimes he'll get in a couple practices. Sometimes he won't. Sometimes we'll see him on the side rehabbing. I just don't know what we're going to get out of Ethan Ray moving forward. You know, I hope he can come in and contribute this year, do some things. But for right now, just all the stuff that I've seen from him the last couple of seasons, I, I have to keep him down there and not really in a factor for the backup or starter role at this point. But that could change. That absolutely could change. But that's where I have to go with right now. You know, I think... Uh, Lake is an emerging star. We saw that last year with the plays he was making. You know, Jude Wolf, you know, he's gotten a lot of reps. You know, he had that that broken foot that kind of kind of set him back a little bit. Um, but he's a guy who has not been utilized as a pass catcher. Uh, that was something he really evolved his game around his senior year at his senior year at St. John Bosco. Um, but he's a he could be a dynamic weapon if given the chance, I believe. And Epps and Fallow, those are the two biggest guys. They're both six foot six frames. Um, follow was an incredible athlete coming out of, coming out of NorCal just never got really utilized with the past offenses. You know, tight end has been a, a position that has definitely been underutilized, uh, the last few seasons and Lincoln Riley's offense, you know, they can make stars out of tight end. So this is a really big position to look for, uh, and look forward to watching this spring and seeing how that develops with under Zach Hansen. Um, so I'm excited for this position and I'm excited to see, you know, if the tight end position can finally be a consistent weapon in a USC offense. Um, so that's sort of how I have it breaking out right now. Yeah. And your last point there, I feel like this again, um, you're talking about Lincoln Riley, who's got an established scheme and just and knows how to use, knows what he wants out of this position. I feel like there were just different philosophies when we we're talking about Graham Harrell's offense and, well, this guy could do this or this one could do this. And it just, it just seemed to not flow as well. And I feel like you're going to see this flow better. There's going to be more like clear cut um, designations for what you want these guys to do, what their responsibilities are going to be. And here's your job and go out and do it. Um, I like your expectations. I think I would switch Jude Wolf and Malcolm Epps. I, I, for whatever reason, I have a a hunch that we're going to see a lot more of Malcolm Epps. I don't know why I won't even remember saying this. You probably will. So like if he does really well, like you're going to, you know, Ryan, remember you said you thought Epps was going to play more. Um, I won't remember that, but you might. Uh, <laughs> and I love Josh Vallow, but I just, it's hard. You, you know, it's, it's like a Solomon to a Like I'm not going to say anything about Josh Vallow until I see him 
playing a bunch. Um, but my guess is we're going to see more of Epps and McCree, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And I think the that gap between the backups and the two starters I have with McCree and Wolf is very thin. You know, I, I think Epps could absolutely be that second guy or, or that third guy. I remember the first guy. He just never really seemed to got, get going last year. And I think that was more of a product of, you know, sort of the coaching and the offense that that that's why he never really got going. And I think follow just needs a confidence boost. You know, he came in with a lot of confidence with the ability that he did, the, the stuff he was doing out of high school. And then he just never really got used. He never really got the playing time, kind of fell down the depth chart. He had injuries. So I think he just needs a confidence boost. And may, maybe we can see that swagger come back and he could be a force because that guy is can absolutely be a red zone weapon in this offense. You know, like I said, both those guys are the tallest tight ends on the roster, both six foot six follow, you know, can be super fluid. Malcolm Epps, not as fluid, but, you know, he, he he's a big guy that could be a, a, a red zone threat. Yeah, no, 100%. I think he can be. Um, that'd be another interesting group to watch. Um, I mean, your next one, I'm very curious about just because a bunch of new faces. We heard the previous offense, the rotations that were going to be used that we never really saw. Will we see that in Lincoln Riley's? I don't know, but let's talk about that next group. Yeah, so obviously the wide receivers, you know, it's no secret that wide receivers love this Lincoln Riley offense. So there should be a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of plays out there for these guys to make, especially with, you know, Caleb Williams slinging them the ball. Um, the expectation, I sort of have this top three of Mario Williams, Gary Bryant, and Brendan Rice. And then sort of that backup spot, I have Jake Smith, Terrell Bynum, the Washington transfer, Taj Washington, and then Kyle Ford. And then deeper, I have C.J. Williams, the freshman early enrollee, Michael Jackson, and then John Jackson. And then followed by Kyron Ware-Hudson, who was a freshman last year. The reality, you know, it's pretty much a lot of oars. It's pretty much, you know, Mario, Gary, Brendan, Terrell, Taj, Kyle, Jake, C.J., all these guys, Michael Jackson, all these guys sort of competing for the for the hierarchy of this, this position. Who's going to rise to the top? Who's going to maybe fall into those backup roles? And who's going to be, you know, deep in the rotation if, you know, injuries occur. So that's sort of how I see it breaking down. Mario, Gary, and Brendan, the Colorado transfer, kind of being those top three. And then Jake Smith, he's sort of the wild card for me. I really don't know where to put him. If he ended up a starter and you told me that, I'd be like, yeah, no doubt. I uh, that, that that makes sense. But if he sort of, you know, fall, fell into that sort of a backup role, I could also see that happening too. You know, he's had the foot injuries, missed all of last season. Anytime we saw him last year, he was in that uh, that cart rolling around, had the boot on. Um, so he could op- he's he's one of my big X factors for this position and this offense in general. Because uh, if they get a lot of out of him, a lot out of him, you know, it, it definitely takes this wide receiver group up another level. Um, so that's kind of where it stands right now. And yeah, no, I this is uh, as far as ors go, this is where you're going to see the most of them. There's going to be yeah. This is one of those long boats in uh, Viking times where there's just a whole bunch of oars. <laughs> it's <laughs> Absolutely. At once. Um, do you like that? Just made that one up. Um, that was great. That was great. That's why you're the best. <laughs> yeah. I, when you mentioned competition, we talked about it with the the running backs group too. I think that's what you're going to see here. And I don't think Mario Williams has a leg up just because he's coming from the system. I think it helps that he knows the system. Uh, but he's competing with a lot of talented guys. And I feel like, you know, if he comes out and just balls out and people are like, okay, he's really good. Um, 
and he ends up being a starter, that's fine. But if he's like, okay, and there's other guys that are clearly better that don't know the system, I feel like Lincoln Riley's not going to give him preferential treatment. It's sort of like you're, you know, if you're the umpire for your kid in little league, you might call balls and strikes a little tighter against your own kid than you would against everybody else. Um, I wonder if Mario Williams is going to get that kind of treatment or not, but I, I, I kind of feel he's going to look the part, um, just from, you know, watching some of his film, but you know, the guys like, you know, Brendan Rice coming in, Terrell Bynum is just, you know, the only senior in the group and, uh, just a super hard worker, I, you know, and, and guys like Kyle Ford, who we love that have been around for a while. And, you know, I saw John Jackson third at, at the basketball game last night and he's looking bigger and, uh, you know. There's a lot of potential here. There's not the the Drake London proven, just throw the ball to him every single time, but there's a lot to work with. And I think when you have a chef, we want to do the food analogy since, you know, here it comes. Uh, here I did it get comes. to see Keely at the game last night too. We'll get into that. But you want to give a chef the best and most diverse set of ingredients that you possibly can. This isn't chopped. You don't want to give him a box that has like sardines and kumquats and ice and something else. Uh, like you want to give them a lot of options. And I feel like this wide receiver group has that. And it's going to sort of be maybe like an artistic interpretation of how they want this offense to evolve. What kind of chemistry you have with Caleb Williams, obviously Mario Williams would have a leg up on that one. Uh, and I feel like this is a great opportunity because you have a whole bunch of bodies. There's a bunch of guys that were ranked high. There's guys that we've seen perform well, either in games or in practice or in other teams. And that's going to give Lincoln Riley an opportunity to like put, you know, make the kind of salad the way he wants with all these different ingredients that he has uh, in front of him. So I'm, I'm excited about this group and to see what they uh, are able to do in the spring. And I do feel like the competition, how they play, how they work with Caleb Williams and the other quarterbacks, how they pick up the playbook and the offense. I think all that's going to determine um, you know, where, where they end up on the depth chart and how much play they get. And maybe we see eight guys getting a whole bunch of run and they're all getting, you know, fairly equal touches, or maybe we see a couple guys just emerge as clear alphas in the group. And we see more of them. I, I, I'm curious to see how this plays out. And I just want to note, I do feel bad when I make these depth charts, especially deep positions, like a wide receiver that has, you know, 10 guys out there. I, I, I do feel bad, you know, putting like a Michael Jackson or a John Jackson or a Kyron Ware Hudson at the bottom. But the reality is someone has to be at the bottom, you know. There's a top and then there's a bottom. And I just I just figured like those guys, they weren't recruited by the, the staff. You know, some of the guys at the top, you know, they have experience. Some of these guys were recruited by, you know, Dennis Simmons and Lincoln Riley out of this portal. So, you know, they might have an edge in that regard. So that's sort of how I see it. Absolutely, any of those guys could, you know, end up being – a guy that, you know, maybe makes a backup spot or maybe, you know, is a starter. I don't know. We're going to see how that all plays out. But that's sort of how I, I I took that into account when I was, you know, when I make the bottom of any depth chart. You know, someone's got to be on the bottom, unfortunately. And another guy I was, I didn't really know where to put is CJ Williams. You know, the, the top 100 freshman out of modern day high school. He is on campus. He's going to be, you know, a name to watch this spring. Wide receiver is one of those positions where a freshman can come in and make plays. They could come in and, you know, be a star in spring. And then we see how that plays out down the line. Uh, so CJ could be a guy I think is going to really come along later as the, as, as the season goes on and is going to be a factor, uh, especially when you have injuries and stuff. And, you know, I think he's going to be a guy to watch absolutely in the spring camp. 
it's funny like so we saw like uh you know where hudson sort of have a slow beginning to his career with the, the injury the and injuries, stuff yeah the hamstring injuries that he had early on but when we saw him practice like he looked like a legit player right and and you have him you know bottom like if he was walking by if we go to spring practice and he walks by it's like thanks chris put me last you know like you could see him. He's like, a real person. He's a real person. <laughs> yes. He has feelings. He has parents. <laughs> He's got siblings. He has hobbies. I don't know. He watches Netflix. He's a real person. And it yeah. hurts to put someone at the bottom. But that's how it goes. Someone has to be on the bottom. So any in the Ware Hudson family, you can tweet uh, at Chris yeah. and Trevino. The DMs are open. So you can just you can just come come on in. <laughs> I, like, I can I can take it. Like you said, wouldn't be surprised if if you know the third press conference after if we do get to hear from Lincoln Riley is like, yeah, where Hudson was just one of the, the the standouts there. And he's definitely competing for a starting spot. You're like, Oh, okay. Like, I mean, you wouldn't be shocked. Right. Like if something like that happened. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything could happen in spring. It's spring. Some of these guys, you know, could be on the men. We don't know. Yeah. Don't know. All um, right, we got one. Uh, well, I guess we got. We're gonna break it down. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna try to do it all at once because I okay. don't. I don't want us to go through, you know, left tackle, right or right guard, whatever. So I'm gonna just try to run it through my expectations for the position. Long term, I see it being, you know, the Virginia transfer Bobby Haskins. He's gonna be the starter at left tackle. Good old dependable Andrew Voorhees. He kicks back inside to his normal left left uh, left guard spot. Uh, center. As always, Brett Nealon feels like he's been starting at center for like nine years. He's going to be at that at that center spot, right guard. I have Justin Dietrich, you know, taking over that guard spot. Really showed that you know he could be a starter and he could be a starter at guard. I think he he, he plugs in there for Liam Jimmins, who is now you know graduated off to the NFL. And then right tackle, I have Cortland Ford. You know, last year he started out as the the left tackle starter. You know, those guys sort of had to take a back seat, him and Jonah Monheim, you know, to had to do some shuffling around. Clay McGuire did because it just wasn't working. Maybe they were a little bit overwhelmed at times, so had to kind of shift it around a little bit. Cortland, I think he has the higher upside as a tackle body, while I think Monheim has a bigger upside at the interior. But on those backups, I have Monheim backing him up at right tackle. Monheim backing up at the right guard because they are so thin at interior. Uh, Justin Dietrich is the backup center. Uh, Monheim, again, I have as the backup to the left guard. He's going to be a swing interior guy or wherever they need. And then Cortland Ford is the backup at left tackle. But I probably assume that they would go to Andrew Voorhees if if they needed a fill-in at, at left tackle. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces. As you can see, it's very thin. You know, they don't have a lot of depth. I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like if it's two injuries, this thing could get really ugly. That's why I think, you know, you really bank on really getting Josh Connerly, the five-star offensive tackle. He absolutely upgrades his unit. Even if he isn't a starter, he could, he's the backup somewhere. He, he could, maybe he could play guard, get some experience there, but I would expect him to be a backup at the left or the right tackle. And he absolutely uh raises the the overall depth of that unit and then that's the reason why you know Lincoln Riley and them are still going after an interior offensive lineman out of the transfer portal they want somebody maybe not to start but at least somebody who can step in if you know an injury happens and as you can see you know I have Monheim filling in for a bunch of spots if something were to happen because I think he would be the best option off the bench to fill in at either guard spot 
or a tackle spot if needed. So a lot going on there. Um, so you can attack me wherever you want, uh, Ryan. No, I think this is, I mean, I think there's options here, but nowhere near the kind of options you have at wide receiver. I think, you know, yeah. you could make a pretty good guess at who the starters are going to be right now, where we don't even know how many receivers will be going to be used, you know, or what kind of like for this, it's a little more of that. I mean, I, I, you know, I think you're going to see, you know, I, I think Bobby Haskins coming in and starting at left tackle probably makes the most sense right now, but like a guy like Josh Connerly could certainly change that. We'll find out in the middle of spring practice, probably where he makes his decision. Uh, Brett Nealon was actually at the basketball game uh, on Tuesday night. So we got to, to see him a little bit. Um, and, you know, I, I think there's seven guys or so, like you had mentioned that you feel fairly uh, confident in. And there's some other guys that, I mean, there's a lot of upside and it's going to be up to this coaching staff to kind of figure out, you know, what to do uh, from here. I, I, I don't think they're done adding pieces one way or another uh, to this group, but there's, I think, like you said, there's less options. We might see, um, you know, some guys sort of, uh, transferring. Out. I think we had 19 guys that were on scholarship last year in the distribution chart right now. I have it as 13. Um, but you know, getting a guy like Neil back, getting a guy like Voorhees back, those were big deals, but you got those three, those two plus Bobby Haskins are all, you know, redshirt seniors. So they're going to be gone. They got to address some of this. Is is Cortland Ford going to be a guy? Is Jonah Monheim going to be a guy? Uh, some of the guys that have been around a while, like Jason Rodriguez or Gino Quinones, who's you know playing guard now. Um, Andrew Millick, like where are these guys going to be working out? And they're going to be part of this too deep, or are we going to see some of these guys transfer out and they bring in more transfers next year? I don't think you're going to see as many transfers down the road. But if you do, it's probably going to be in this group because some of the younger players didn't work out, I guess. Yeah, it's 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 really a sort of a mixed bag in the back end at that depth. But if everyone's healthy, you have a really good offensive line. You have an above average offensive line at worst. You add Connerly to the mix, you have a really good offensive line, a, a line that will protect Caleb Williams and get wins in the Pac-12. But like I said, injuries... Those could be a real, you know, snake bite for this offense if, if, if something go, were to go down. And speaking of injuries, obviously Bobby Haskins was pictured uh, with a boot on his foot. So that's something you're, we're going to have to monitor moving forward. You know, that, you know, we've seen this a bunch of times where, you know, a guy shows up in a picture injured in February and he's not practicing in spring, you know, he, or he's he's missing, you know, a couple weeks of spring. So that's something we're going to have to take into account. You know, that could lead to a lot more reps for Cortland Ford and Andrew Voorhees at left. And, you know, maybe a guy like Mason Murphy, who I think could absolutely be a guy who steps up. I would like to see him play a little more in the interior because they have guard issues. Um, so he's a big body. He's six foot five, six foot six. He looked really good at times last year, but he suffered a foot injury and he was on the men for what felt like years. He was in that little scooter, had a really bad ankle. So you hope if he's back healthy. He could be a guy that, you know, takes a step up into that that too deep. And he was at times the, the backup left tackle last year. Uh, another guy is Max Gibbs. You know, he moved over to the defensive line. Based on pictures, he's back with the O-line. You know, I'm really interested to see what his body looks like after a full year uh, with, you know, the the strength program, the, the eating program. He got a little confidence last year after, you know, he contributed on the defensive line. He played 
as a freshman. So I'm hoping that trend, that confidence can transfer over back to the O-line. And, you know, maybe he's a guy, if his body is changed a little bit, if he slimmed down, if he got stronger, you know, he might be able to help and, you know, contribute as a backup uh, at, at one of the guard spots. And that's something you hope for because he has a, a lot of potential, but it's really going to take a couple seasons to get that body right and, you know, see him really take the next step in his game. So those are kind of a couple guys that I, I think could really make a difference this spring. All right. Um, should we move on to special teams? Special teams also in my wheelhouse as a former kicker slash punter. So I take pride in this this, uh, this position group. Uh, and here the expectation and the reality sort of set up perfectly aligned. Uh, I have the, the starter as uh, Alex Stadhouse and the backup as Dennis Lynch, the preferred walk-on from last season. Um, obviously, Parker Lewis, a multi-year starter, he is gone. He is in the transfer portal. And when he actually entered the portal, Stadhouse was actually in there first. And when Lewis came, you know, Stadhouse is like looking around like, if you're here, that means there's a job opening. So I'm going to come back to USC. And right now he has the open path to the starting job. And he has that edge over Lynch just because he has kicking experience. You know, he was a kickoff specialist and he filled in for Parker Lewis when he was injured or there was other issues going on. And he's made field goals as a college kicker. So he has the experience. Lynch, you know, he's one of my fan favorites. You know, he's tiny compared to everyone else on the team. He's got that Irish accent and he has that huge leg, uh, but he's a little more raw. But I think he could be a kickoff guy this year. Uh, but for right now, in terms of the place kicker, I think it's Alex Stadhouse's to lose. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, the fact once he came back, you're like, all right, that's going to be, uh, looks like it's going to be his job. Um, cool. All right. Well, we got through the offensive stuff. Do you want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball? But also for you, does it feel weird not having a scholarship kicker on the roster after having 90 for so many years? So I do the scholarship distribution <laughs> chart. This is different. Uh, then there's one up on 24 seven sports, but we do our own that I keep updating throughout the year. And it's a, you know, like a Google sheets thing. And typically I, so I have break, break it down by class and also by position. The class thing has been interesting because the one year didn't count. So there's some people that have been around for four years and they're still a sophomore and you know, there's a lot of stuff like that going on, but there would always be, you know, there's a bunch of offensive linemen. USC would always have like 10, 11 wide receivers there was always five guys on special teams that were on scholarship. And right now there's only one and he's new. He's, he's the, you know, he's a freshman. Yeah. The freshman punter coming in. Um, that's normally what you see when we've had John Baxter and whatever with the clay Hilton stuff, there was always like five guys on special team scholarship. And I would complain about it all the time. Like, why do you have five guys on scholarship? There's only three positions that you would need a scholarship for. Why do you have five guys that are using up scholarships in special teams? So this looks more normal, Chris, already uh, having one. We weren't really, you know, I didn't expect Ben Griffiths to leave what he did, um, but he left. He snuck it in there, too. He just kind of didn't announce it. He snuck it in there. No, he just like, there was like a list, right, of like guys <laughs> made himself. a official list, and he's like, oh, I guess he declared in yeah. private. I mean, he's got like four kids by now. or no. He's, I think he's married, right? Like, I think he was. Yeah, he got engaged. I believe he did get married. So, yeah, grown well, man with cool. grown man responsibilities. Yeah. Now, like an Alex Stathouse might get a scholarship as the yep. starting kicker, mm -hmm. which totally makes sense, right? Like, you don't typically give scholarships to snappers coming out of high school. USC did that a lot and, you know, had a guy that really couldn't even play and they gave him a scholarship. 
it's one of those things where, oh, he's been starting for a couple of years. He's the full-time guy. Like, we'll, we'll put him on scholarship now. I think that makes more sense. Looks like that's what they're setting up to be uh, going forward, Chris. And I think Spring is going to tell you a lot about how they feel about that position because they did offer Grady Gross, who was a five-star high school kicker uh, in the 2022 class. So that tells me they're still a little bit unsure about, you know, the depth at the position right now. So, but if Stathouse, you know, kills it in the spring, I think they'll feel a lot better. Uh, but if he's injured, it will get interesting. So I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in like a random kicker out of the portal just to beef up that depth. They could. Um, and to give Stathouse credit, like he played in games where it mm-hmm. you didn't, it wasn't expected to play, right? There was just sort of like a late scratch. Um, or a targeting call. A targeting call, something like, yeah, that was weird too. Um, he played in some situations where it wasn't like, you felt like he knew for the last week he was going to be the starter or whatever come in. And, and every time he came in, he did well. So you have a game tested kicker like that. Like I would take that over a five-star, you know, incoming freshman that you, mm-hmm. you've never seen in a college game before. He's also a great quote. Uh, so hoping, you know, we can talk to him more uh, frequently as the starting kicker. So, yeah. Hopefully we can talk to anybody. We'll see. Yeah. Good, good point. Good point. <laughs> Uh, so let's get into the defense. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to do kind of lump the the defensive line into one. You know, you have that uh, that three-man front. Uh, you have the defensive end. You have the nose guard. And then you have that defensive tackle. Very similar to last season's uh, alignment. Uh, but my expectations, uh, I have Corey Foreman, you know, starting at the defensive end spot. I have Nick Figueroa backing him up, the veteran senior and leader who who's coming back for another season. At uh, the nose guard spot, I have Brandon Peely as the starter, backed up by Jamar Sakona. Uh, and then for defensive tackle, the one and only Tui, Tui Pelotu, who's just a monster and, you know, quietly had a really good year last year. But, you know, no one really paid attention because the defense was so god-awful. Um, and I have his backup as Earl Barquette, the TCU transfer, who they pulled out of the portal. Um, and, you know they definitely still need another name. They need another body in there to sort of help. Uh, it's not as, it's not as dicey as the offensive line, but they still could use some help. Uh, just either a guy who could be an impact guy, or maybe just another rotational guy, especially in the interior. Cause you don't really know what they're going to get out of that interior spot. Um, but yeah, a lot of question marks still for me on this, this defensive line. The, um, as far as, established guys when you look at the defensive end spot we know what nick figueroa can bring um we know the potential of Corey foreman as the five star on the roster you're bringing uh, uh tyrone tallini uh transferring in you know he's played um there's probably the best you know group of you know kind of talent that you kind of know what to expect of of the different positions i mean i when you're looking at like nose guard, like we haven't seen Brandon Peely for a while. I think there's a lot of potential there. Where are we going to see him, you know, recovering from that injury? It was the Achilles, right? I believe he had. Yeah. And um, essentially, if you're looking at that lineup with Brandon Peely, I have Jamar Sakona and Kobe Pepe in my reality section as all, you know, competing for that nose guard spot. But two of those three guys had season ending shoulder surgery last year. You know, yeah. Kobe Pepe had the shoulder in, so injury in spring of last year. And he wasn't the same. Looked like he tried to go through it at times, but you know we would see him in the sling, and he got that surgery. And Brandon Peely, obviously coming off that Achilles tear that he had in the spring as well, 
So, you know, a lot of questions there, not a lot of production, not a lot of experience outside of Peely. You know, they lost Ismail Shopster. That didn't work out for USC. He is back in the portal. Uh, a lot of expectations for him, but those never really panned out after his, his double compartment leg syndrome. Yeah. Um, so a little thin on the interior. We really like another guy, big body guy, nose guard, nose tackle kind of guy to help uh, bolster that group. Just because you don't really know what you're going to get out of there. Because you have Thule on one side, you have Corey, a lot of potential, and you have Nick, you know, who is steady as they come. Just had injuries last year. So experience on the edge, just not a lot. It's some big question marks in the middle. So yeah. that's how I kind of look at it. And I would think that they're going to go to the portal for mm-hmm. some more big body in the next help wave. in the middle. In that next wave, yeah. In that next wave after spring. Um, you know, Jay Toya would work well in something like this. He ended up transferring out after spring last year. But if if Peely's able to be a contributor, I think that's a that's a that's a help. But a, another group you just want to really watch with intent uh, mm-hmm. this spring. And Barquette, Earl Barquette is an interesting one for me. You know him and uh, Teleni. You know they don't have a lot of experience. They you know they played in some games, but not a lot. So they're not like instant plug and play guys. You know, so we don't really know what we're they're gonna get out of them. You know, Teleni I have is sort of a deep backup right now on the defensive end spot. Six foot two, I think 275, a little bit undersized in terms of, you know, playing an interior position like nose guard. So I have him at the uh, the defensive end spot, but, you know, he could end up anywhere, I believe. And then Barquette, he's like six foot three, 275. You know, if he bumps it up to 290, you know, he might be able to help in the middle. You know, he's an athletic guy. They like some athleticism in that middle spot. And you just don't want to be a... They don't want just a pure bowling ball. They want some guys who can, you know, maybe make some plays there, a little bit more athleticism. So he could definitely be in that spot. But right now I have him at that six foot three, two seventy five, in that sort of defensive tackle spot with Thule. So excited to see what those guys can bring. And obviously I gotta I gotta I gotta say, I think my guy Colin Mobley out of my my alma mater Dramatha, a PG County Beach boy, uh, as I like to to coin them on the family feud. Uh, I think he's the guy who could maybe step up and, you know, maybe maybe have some impact on that too deep. All right. Uh, you want to move on to the rush linebacker spots? Or yeah. The, the linebacker. Yeah, the, just the linebacker spots in general. You know, again, sort of similar to the Orlando. You have that rush linebacker, that B-backer role. You have the Mike, and then you have the Will, which sort of reflect the Mac and the Rover of last year. It's all the same, just different nomenclature. Uh, the rush right now, my expectations – or just in general across the board, I have Romello Height as that starting rush end spot. I have the Mike linebacker Shane Lee as that starting middle linebacker, and then I have the fre- the former freshman Rajon Davis as your will linebacker Ooh. starter. Yeah, a little, little mix it up there. Go with the youth. Go with the athleticism. Go with the high potential. That's sort of how I was looking at it. Um, and their backups, I have Elijah Winston as that rush end. I have Julian Simon, the other the other freshman from last year, as that backup. Mac, Mike, and then I have Raylan Goforth, who started at the Will spot, that Rover spot last year, as that backup. So, Brian, yes, tell me what you think. What do you think? You hate it? You love it? You think I'm crazy? What what's going on? No, so I think this was a, a definitely a group that needed outside help, and the mm-hmm. fact that you have two of the three starters coming as you know transfers. Uh, makes sense, right? I mean, getting some SEC help at the linebacker spot, you know, hey, that uh, that makes a lot of sense. 
you look at a guy like Shane Lee, he just seems to be built different than most. You know, we saw him down at the beach in some of those videos. And uh, I don't know about his volleyball skills, but he looked a little, uh, you know, <laughs> he looks like a different cat than uh, than a lot of the people that are that are around. And I That's love different. Huh? He's built different right now. Yeah. It just means more to work out down there for some reason. Um, Rajon Davis is someone that we could fight a nickel for every time someone asked us about him, then we'd have a whole bunch of money and we wouldn't have to do this podcast at all. But I would say Rajon Davis, uh, it's someone like that, that came in with a lot of hype and, uh, a lot of talent and a lot of ability and just never sort of found his way. It's like a clean slate when you have these new coaches coming in and it, I don't think it matters as much that this guy has this, you know, someone that has more experience or whatever. Like, I, I think you see the potential of someone like that. And there's mm-hmm. a, you know, you can see him on the field as a starter. So I, I like your group. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't pick it at all. And the Davis and Simon thing, which is sort of perplexing because well, more so with Davis, they, cause Orlando and them would say, you know, we want to play those guys. We want to get them ready to play later in the season, but they never played. And, you know, does that mean they were really struggling in the back end, like in, in position groups or in closed practices? I, I don't really know. I don't really have an answer to that, but it was just perplexing. They would say one thing and then we would never see it, especially when those middle linebackers were struggling so much. You know, why not try somebody new? Just throw them in there, see what happens. You didn't have really much to lose, you know, just no. or, you know, maybe they're preserving that red shirt super hard. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Julian Simon, I, I picked him for a big spring last season. That didn't happen. So I have high expectations uh, for, for this spring for him. Kind of challenge on that two deep behind Shane. Learn from Shane. Uh, sort of like that. And then, but as you can see from that rush end spot, I think they still need some help out of the portal. Because height, while, you know, he sort of looks similar to Shane and that he looks a little bit different. He's got those SEC workouts going on back when he was at Auburn. You know, he is not experienced. He does not have a lot of reps. I don't think he has a sack in his career. And he did have shoulder surgery as a true freshman. So he has been limited. He does not have a ton of experience. They still need a dependable guy who has made some sacks in the college game, who has some starts under his belt to come in and help solidify that rush end spot. Because as you as I, as I you can see, I have Solomon Tuliapupu as a rush end linebacker right now. And we're not sure what's going to happen with him. If he's going to, you know, get more defensive reps this year, he took a step forward last season, you know, was able to practice, able to be on the scout team. And he looked really good when he was playing sort of a defensive end. So he has the ability to rush. He can get in there. He's got that intensity. He's got that drive. He's got that motor, but you know, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to be able to, 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 to get on the field for, for practice and stuff like that, which he did last year. Just got to keep it going. So I think they could still bring in, you know, a guy who has experience out of the portal rushing to just sort of help that. Not saying height can't be a really good edge rusher in the Pac-12. I just think you'd feel a lot more comfortable if you had a guy who has more experience just to help balance that out. All right. Um, should we move on to the secondary? Absolutely. Cornerbacks. Uh, just a lot going on there. A lot, a lot of names. A lot of young people. Not a lot of of experience. Um, and my expectation, you know, I sort of have Makai Blackman, the the Colorado transfer, and Josh Jackson as the two starters. And behind them is Damani Jackson and Latrell McCutcheon, the Oklahoma transfer. 
And then going down the line, it has Prophet Brown, Sierra Wright, and Adonis Ote as sort of that deep reserve. Uh, and the reality is I have, you know, Blackman, Jackson, Josh Jackson, and McCutcheon, sort of all those oars in the reality section, sort of competing for those starting jobs and those backup. And we'll see how that shakes out. Because as I mentioned in my example at the top of the podcast, quarterbacks is a position where both starters are gone. Isaac Taylor Stewart, and Chris Steele, they're off. They're off trying to make it to the NFL. So they need two new starters. They need some backups. And I think this is going to be a really big uh, position battle to watch in spring. Yeah. Um, we'll just, I guess we'll just do the corners first and we'll do the safeties afterwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, I really love the group, even though they're sort of short on USC experience, at least. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a big Josh Jackson fan uh, when he moved over. You would just watch him in practice, and he was making plays like he was playing there the entire time. And uh, I, I liked what I've seen from him. Um, but when you bring in a couple of transfers, you know Blackman, McCutcheon, um, you know you bring in a five-star like Demonte Jackson. I mean, we, you know, you know Sierra Wright's got talent, and Ote's coming off the injury, right? And uh, you know, Prophet the wrist Brown, injury had the wrist surgery. Yeah, uh, Prophet Brown. There's there's a lot of talent there and you have some experience that you've brought in so i'm i'm curious to see how this um all shakes out and is someone like just like a, you know there's two guys that are clear starters and the third ends up playing in the nickel spot or whatever i you know i'm curious to see how this uh, all plays out but again they have a good group you want to watch them go against all those wide receivers and stuff and, and see what they can do but probably all eyes are going to be on you know the, the two transfers because you know if you just said, hey, those two are going to be the starters, I, I don't know if anyone would, would say you're wrong. Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of eyes on the transfer. But also, don't forget, Damani Jackson, the five-star signee, you know, a top 10 player in the class. We're not talking, like, top 10 quarterback. We're talking top 10 overall. That's how talented he is. Elite, elite speed. But the problem is, you know, he didn't play his senior year. He had that that injury that that, you know, they decided to just shut it down. Don't risk anything long-term. So he hasn't played in over a year. And going back to the to his junior season with the uh, the spring season, he only had a handful of games. So he's only played like six high school football games in something like the last 18 months or something like that. I can't, I'm not a good, I'm not good at the math. So don't, it, it'll work out. Just, it just hasn't had a lot of, uh, he hasn't had a lot of games in the last couple of seasons. And, you know, Dante sort of hinted in his presser that, you know, Damani was still sort of healing from that injury. So, again, sort of with the Bobby Haskins thing, is this a guy who maybe is going to have to be eased back in the spring? Maybe he misses the first week. Maybe starts doing some limited stuff in the week two, then comes on in the final stretch. We don't know. We're going to have to follow that. So, But if he's healthy, I think he's absolutely competing for one of those top four spots. Yeah. No, I agree. Um all right, I guess we got safety. Oh, you have you're doing nickel too. So let's do. Yeah, uh, we'll just combine we'll just combine the nickels and the safeties. I mean, they're okay. essentially sort of a similar position, but I think this is an a sort of an easier look than the cornerbacks, just because it feels like you know who the top guys are uh, going into this camp, and that would be obviously the All American, uh, the freshman All American, excuse me, Kalen Bullock, Xavier Alford, who really came on strong at the end there of the season. I sort of have them holding on to those starting positions at the free safety and strong safety. And then with the nickel spot, this one's going to be interesting because obviously Max Williams, he is back in the mix after another big comeback from another knee injury. Just put in so much work over the offseason. 
Uh, and during the season, we would see him rehab all the time. He could have possibly played at the end of uh, 2021. But as we mentioned, I believe on the last podcast, uh, the team was bad. So there was no reason to, to throw him in there. You know, no reason to risk any injury for a, yeah. for a season that wasn't going anywhere. Maybe if they were playing for a bowl game, maybe in a bowl game, but nothing to play for really except for pride. Smarter decision. Keep him on the sideline. Uh, but I think it's going to be an interesting battle between Max and Jalen Smith, the other talented freshman from last season. Uh, them sort of battling for that nickel spot. Jalen is, you know, undoubtedly the more athletic of the two. He's quicker than than Max. And that's something the, the staff seems to be emphasizing is that speed. But Max just has such a high football IQ, arguably the, the highest football IQ on the, on the defensive side of the ball. And he, he would just make so many plays, you know, in 2020 when – if you go back and watch that tape, he was just there at the right place at the right time. He got burned a couple times, but really towards the end when he filled in for Greg Johnson, he was right there. There was a stretch where he was, you know, one of the best defenders on the team. He makes plays, and I really can't go against that. So that's why I have Max as sort of that that starter with Jalen as that backup. Um, so it's it's Max, Kalen, and Xavier and Alfred as my those top three safeties for the for the two safety spots and that nickel spot. I think when you talk about a guy like Max Williams, um, I mean, I think what you said makes a lot of sense. There's, you draw plays, right? I mean, if you're on the football field, you're playing linebacker, you're playing whatever, like you're supposed, you have certain responsibilities. Plays develop though, and things change. Like this guy's, you know, that receiver's a little bit wider than you thought, or this running back's in motion. And you sort of, you know, what you're doing, it's like if you're playing basketball, like what are you, how are you moving without the ball? Uh, everyone sees the dunk or the shot, the three-pointer or whatever, but watching that guy who rolls off the screen or whatever, whatever, like how you're moving when you don't have the ball and what you see on the field, what your instincts are. Like you talked about the, the football IQ. If you're the fastest guy in the world, but you're starting, you know, the play looks like it's going to go to this certain spot in the field and you don't sense that and you have to run to get there. Now you're super fast and you, maybe you get there, but if you're more instinctual, you're already closer than you don't need to be as fast, right? You can just, you've already felt that that's where it's going to go. Like you're driving on the freeway and you can sort of sense that that person next to you is going, it doesn't have their blinker on, but they're going to like move into your lane. There's just like that sense. I think sometimes you get the, the smarter players out in the football field and then get themselves into a better position to make a play. Those guys that are always around the ball for some reason. Well, they're, you know, some of it's just instinctual. And I feel like he's one of those instinctual players that is able to put himself in, in great positions and to watch him rehab and to watch what he was going through. I love that you have him projected as the starter. Cause he just seems like a football player. And sometimes you need that. You just, Someone that just goes out and plays football and is just really freaking good at it. And he's one of those guys. So I'm sorry I spent all the time talking about Max Williams, but I, I like what you said about him and I, I would agree. What's the saying? Football is 80% mental, 20% physical, something like that. Yeah. That's sort of kind of what you're summing up. And, you know, Max isn't the biggest. Max isn't the smallest. He's not the strongest, but he's like a good football player. He's a great football player. He has the smarts. He makes plays. And people, you know, last year that play where he blew up that 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 uh, play in the uh, I believe it was like a screen. He sort of ran through his guy at his five foot nine self, and you know, people were like, "That's a football play. That's a football player. 
That's someone who's putting their body on the line to make the play until their teammates get there to help them. You know, that's what this defense needs after last season. And I think Max, if he was healthy, would have brought a lot of that uh, to last season's unit, even though, you know, it would have been the obviously the fix to everything. But I think you need more guys like that on that defense. So Jalen Smith, really talented. I'm sure he's going to get in that rotation, maybe be that dime guy. But I, I got to go with Max. And we also have to keep in mind that a big name is coming in in the summer in Mr. Zion Branch. Even Fabian yeah. Ross, who I believe, I believe he told you he, he might be experimenting with, experimenting with that nickel spot. So that's something yeah. to keep an eye on as well. So two big guys coming in in the summer. So they're going to shake up that uh, that depth chart a little bit. I'm a big Branch guy. Um, mm-hmm. He just, I mean, I don't know. He just, when I watched him at the the practices in Hawaii, just. He was bigger than most everyone. He moved around well. It just, you know, the coaches were praising him. You're like, yep, that guy can play football. So um, curious to see what he's able to do in this one. But Kalen Bullock for sure is a an absolute stud. So really happy. Um, you know, I, I put something uh, uh, in the war room. I, I ran into Talanoa Funga last week uh, doing a workout on the uh, – Tally. The sand- huh? Tally. Tally. On the Manhattan Beach Sand Dunes, he just happened to be there. I was like, whoa, what's up? Um, and that's the one player he mentioned to me, Stick. He called him Sticks, you know, and uh, he likes Bullock a lot, which most people do for a good reason. If Talanoa likes you, you're doing something right. Yeah, he knows what he's talking about. Um, uh-huh. Do we the already do the punter? Ex- no, the, pun- most, the most exciting position. Oh. Punter. Yes. Booming punts. Will they be here in 2022? Will they not? We don't know. Uh this one is very simple. I sort of broke my own rule and not including uh, freshmen that weren't on campus already. But this one just made, you know, it's just too logical. Atticus Bertrams, the Australian punter, the signee for 2022. You know, he's probably going to be the only guaranteed uh, true freshman starter uh, for next season. You know, Ben Griffiths is gone. They need to fill that spot. Atticus, he is on scholarship, so it makes sense to use your scholarship punter as your starting punter. Uh, the preferred walk-on Will Rose will probably get a lot of work this spring, uh, and that's good because he's probably going to move into that backup role uh, once again. Uh, but it helps that he'll, you know, he'll get sort of maybe those starting reps that that he wouldn't have gotten with uh, Griffiths, Griffiths if he was there. So that one's simple. Atticus the starter, Will Rose is that backup. Move it on. All right. Um, so that's uh, the whole depth chart, right? We got them all? Yeah, that, that's it. I mean, I didn't do returners. Returners are too silly to try to do. I've, I've stopped doing those. So uh, that's, that's sort of where we're at. That's, that is tough, yeah. Um, all right, well, awesome stuff. And make sure you can check all that stuff out over at uscfootball.com. Um, other things we wanted to get to, Chris, uh, we did the depth chart. It's a pretty big recruiting weekend uh, coming up for USC. There's some events, um, but also junior day at USC. It seems like a lot is going to be going on on campus this weekend or in the USC football recruiting world this weekend. Yes, it is a big, we have the junior day and there's the Under Armour camp in LA that's on Sunday. And then there is a big passing tournament on uh, on Saturday. So lots going on. It feels like every I tweeted this out. It feels like everyone is coming to USC this weekend. Uh, Brandon Innes, uh, the number two wide receiver in the country, Zachariah Branch overtook him for the number one 
uh, earlier today with the up, up, updated top 247. But the five-star wide receiver, he is coming to town with his uh, South Florida Express teammates, so a lot of talent there. Um, uh, Jaden Wayne, the top uh, defensive lineman on the West Coast out of Washington, he is a five-star composite, four-star in the 247, top 40 overall in both. He is coming to town as well with his FSP, his seven-on-seven team, which always has some of the best talent in the country. So they're coming to town. Uh, Cedric Baxter Jr., the top 100, the top 50, I believe, running back out of Florida. He's coming into town. Uh, the other big one that was supposed to be here was uh, the top running back in the country via the 247 rankings, Ruben Owens out of Texas. He was scheduled to be here on Friday, compete in the 7-on-7 seven seven on Saturday, just overall taking a visit with, with, uh, with USC. But I was told, you know, Gerard also wrote about this, made an update with it on, uh, on the board. But he's actually cannot come now. He he's he's sick, so they're not going to make that travel. So you know uh, that's an unfortunate. But he will make up that trip. I believe he is supposed to take an official visit as well sometime in the summer. I believe. Um, but that that's a that's that's a tough. You know that's a tough. Not I want to say loss because you know there there is other big prospects that are coming. He will come back on on at some point. Uh, but that is a little bit of a downer when there was a lot of momentum, you know, already going to this weekend. But there are plenty of big names uh, scheduled to be on campus this weekend. Nice. Um, yeah, well, it's uh, it's a big one. I know people are asking about that. Uh, the big junior day. I think this is where you're going to see the Lincoln Riley machine start rolling. I mean, they haven't played a game yet. He's done a lot of great things in the offseason. But this seems like a junior day they're putting together, Chris, that we just haven't seen before, something like this, uh, lately at least. Yeah, I mean, this feels – I mean, they had the the other one late in January, but this one feels definitely bigger, and there will be – and expected to be a, another one at the end of March, I believe the 26th. So doubling up. A lot of names are going to be on campus this month, and so it's going to be a fun month to cover. So obviously you know where you can check out all those updates. Little, Over little on- site called uscfootball.com. Yeah, go check it out there. Um, yeah, I look forward to seeing out there. I'll be at the the Under Armour camp. Um, it's Mission Viejo again, right? That's what we talked about. Yep, always, yeah. always, always like going out there. I'm trying um, to think of the last time because we didn't get to do one last year because of the pandemic. So I think it's been yeah, it's been a couple of years. I think that might have been one of the last things we did. Yes, that makes sense. I remember the last thing I did was the Elite Eleven at LA or. Cerritos College. Yes, yes. The Elite Eleven, we were there. And then I did uh, an event in San Diego, like right when spring practice started. Um, that I was like emceeing a thing for, and it was like Jake Olson was the guest of honor at this Trojan club. And that's, it was like literally the night the NBA shut down. So it was just like, whoa. Um, so yeah, almost two years ago now. So, but yeah, I think, I think we got to do the Under Armour in 2020. And then the, then, like two weeks later or a week later was elite 11 in LA. And then like, that was the last thing that we got to do like Miller Moss, uh, like the Jake Garcia. Like there were, I think those guys were all there. Um, was Garcia like a commit at the time? He was a commit. Yeah. Okay. So we were filming those guys and everything. I remember that. That was like one of the last things that we got to do. Uh, all right. We, we got some questions, but I want to get to USC basketball game. Uh, uh six, Oh, Very quickly, I don't no, know yeah. if you want to talk about this real quick. A little bit of breaking news. 
Oh. Uh, but Mo Hassan recently announced that he had suffered a torn Achilles tendon. He just did? Yeah, a couple, like, last 40 minutes. He posted on his Instagram, so he is done for the year. Oh, man, that's a... Uh... Oh, that, that's a... that complicates things a little bit for USC. Obviously, he was, you know, we just talked about him. We started at the top of the show talking about him. Um, probably hadn't announced by the, when we were talking about him at that point. But, you know, that's a tough break because now USC is down to two scholarship quarterbacks right now. They're back sort of in a similar boat they were in a couple months ago before Caleb came on. And, you know, they still have that looming cloud over their heads of, Will Miller Moss enter the transfer portal? That's something he could very easily do going into, you know, post-spring. You know, there will be a big wave of people going to the portal after spring camps. He could be one of them. That would put USC in a terrible position with just one quarterback, one healthy quarterback. They brought in some preferred walk-on guys, um, but, you know, you never want to have two preferred walk-ons as your direct backups. You know, they're probably going to have to go into the portal now to bring in, you know, a bridge guy, you know, maybe a guy out of a non-Power 5 conference that's just looking for a one-year rental. That's something they might have to look at doing. But, yeah, I mean, this is very unfortunate. Mo obviously worked so hard after suffering uh, the knee injury in the spring game. Or I don't know if it was a spring game or a spring practice in the Coliseum. But that's just terrible to, to, to see happen. And obviously that devastating for him. You know, demonstrating for the team, you know, that's a big hit to their depth. So that is, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, this is, um, I, I like Mo a lot and, uh, I've got to, you know, get to know him a little bit better. We are actually, we're trying to do an interview with him, um, uh, because he's done some really great work out in the community, um, mm-hmm. feeding the homeless. He does a great podcast in this food truck. He's had some awesome guests on there. And I just love the way he's been just building himself up and then just listening to him talk about what he went through, uh, for his knee recovery and all of that. Um, just was so excited, I think for the season. And it seemed to be really excited about the strength and conditioning staff that's come in, the, the offense of what they're going to be running with Lake and Riley and all the coaches. And man, that's just a tough one for him to, uh, you know, do all that work and then you rupture your Achilles tendon and, you know, he'll be able to bounce back, but man, it's just like another year of, of rehab essentially, which you just went through, you know, it's like you've, it's like you climb this mountain all the way and then someone mm-hmm. knocks you down. Like the, you're in the shoots and ladders game and you get all the way to the top. You take that shoot, you know, all the way down. You got to do it all over again. It's, I mean, it's sort of what Max went through. You know, he tore that knee before his senior year, came back, played a little bit, but then, you know, tore it again in spring as well. You know, that was a, a bloody spring camp last year. They lost several guys to season ending injuries between Mo, Max again, and then, you know, Brandon, he tore his Achilles, uh, Brandon Peely, he tore his Achilles tendon. So that was a brutal spring in terms of all the losses they suffered. Um, Man, just a, just a bummer. So, our, we, you know, thoughts going out to Mo and uh hope he is able to bounce back and, and recover quickly and just, you know, mentally stay in it. I know that's probably going to be the hardest part, right? Just going through this once and then having yeah. to go through it again. But he's Absolutely. a really, he's a strong kid. He's a tough kid. Uh, we, we, we all wish him the best. I'm sure USC fans do as well. Uh, but yeah, that's probably another 
somewhere you got to go to the portal again. You got to get a quarterback somehow. Another uh, quarterback. You need what you need it. Yeah. Uh, real quick, just on the basketball team, they had a six-game winning streak. They lost to Arizona pretty badly. I've only been to two games. They were blown out in both of them, Oregon and Arizona, so some fans don't want me to go again. I will be at the Pac-12 championship game. I will not be going to UCLA on Saturday. But Lincoln Riley was there, Chris. The atmosphere was great. It was sold out. And How loud did that crowd get when he came out? It was the loudest. So USC was already down like double digits by the, the time oh. they announced <laughs> Riley. Um, but, you know, they announced Nelson Aguilar, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, but then when Riley, you know, they went crazy. He left at halftime to go to the bathroom or get a soda or whatever and uh, was, you know, taking pictures and shaking hands all the way out. And he stayed till pretty late in the game. Uh, Caleb Williams was there as well. Um, Brett Nealon, who I mentioned, was there. Gavin Morris. Uh, he, you know, Brandon Sosta was kind of showing Lincoln Riley around or, you know, sitting with him or escorting him. So it was cool to see. It wasn't a good effort by the basketball team. They couldn't hit any shots whatsoever, and Arizona was hitting everything. So that's just sort of one of these flush down the toilet. We have a ton of coverage up on the site if you want to read anything about it. But any thoughts on that, Chris, before we move on? I'm going to be honest with you. The crowd looked great. Uh, but by the time the second half started, started, I had to a couple minutes in, I saw this wasn't going nowhere, and I had to turn it off. I had to get out of there. We had gotcha. too many people. We had too many people at the game. You didn't need me watching from from the East Coast. It was uh, I had nothing good to say. Nice. Just a, just a big letdown. And I feel like I've been let down in covering a big USC basketball game multiple times. I start yeah. the group. I start the 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 thread, the live thread on the board. I'm hyped up to get everyone talking in there, get the, get the engagement going, and then it just a big old big old nothing. Big old, like, yeah, nothing burger. Um, yeah, I went to two games, and they they didn't play well in either one of them. Like, they only lost by 10 to, to Oregon, but they were down by a lot more earlier. I mean, it, at one point, it was, I tweeted out, uh, Arizona doubled up USC. It was 40. It wasn't like 20 to 10. It was 46 to 23. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah, they, they end up losing by 20. But, you know, giving up a, a 50 burger in the first half is not a good thing. Uh, all right, why don't we take a break? We'll come back and answer a few questions. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Parasol Podcast. Uh, we got Chris Trevino. I got a quick uh, voicemail we're going to play, Chris, and then we have a few emails. But let me play this one for you. Hey, Ryan, it's me, Jose, in Fresno, California. And Dave Aranda, like you like to call him, is not a, it's spelled, it's not pronounced Aranda. It's Aranda. He is, he is descendant of Mexican descent. It's Aranda. Thank you. I like that one. Aranda. Is that, does that sound better, Chris? It's your Aranda. Aranda. Yes. I love. I, I, I like to think that Jose called on because he felt comfortable that there is a Hispanic descent co-host on this show now. Yeah. We're, we're coming for you, Ryan. We're, we're, we're rising up. We're, we're calling out, in. That, yeah. There's, uh, I mean, we got Gerard. Um, we got you. I mean, RJ's got something, right? Like RJ, RJ's Hispanic. Yeah. I like you're, like You're hiring them all up. I'm up. <laughs> definitely out there. I wish. Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to learn Spanish and I'm just. I'm never, I'm too old, uh, but I love going You're down to Mexico. You're never too old to do anything, Ryan. You don't really know Spanish though, do you? Absolutely not, but it's <laughs> never too old. It's never too old, Ryan. I always felt like I was. Because if you're too old, that means I'm going to be too old at some point. You're never too old. It's funny. I would always, I've known Gerard for forever and like, I've always been interested, but he was never like, yeah, he wasn't really into speaking Spanish or anything. I don't think he does. But I've always had an interest in learning. But um, I think I um, thank you, Jose, for uh, I don't know if I'll remember to say that, but I will try. Aranda. Uh, I, like I, that. I will remember. I will correct you every time. Okay, perfect. Uh, should we read some of these emails? You want to? You want me to? How do you want to do this? I think you should read them. Okay, let's go. Erica Duck Country, Ryan and Chris. I completely support players making NIL deals, but I'm a little worried about team dynamics when a player like Caleb Williams, is making so much money, and most others make nothing. In the NFL, you see quarterbacks doing things like taking the offensive line out to dinner, buying them TVs. Do you think we'll see something similar with the college player? Also, if you were in the if Caleb, if you were in Caleb Williams' shoes, what would you do to show appreciation for your offensive line and other teammates? Thanks, Eric and Duck Country. And I think I know where you're going to go with this to start, Chris. You think you know where I'm going to go with this? Yeah. He gave beats headphones to the entire women's basketball team already. So it wasn't even his offensive line. He's supporting others. It's not even just you're supporting your teammates. You're supporting your colleagues in college athletics that are on your that are wearing the same colors as you, giving them beats headphones. I believe I mentioned this last week about giving them beats. I made a reference to this to give you the old line beats. I believe because he had the beats money. I said, you know, maybe get those offensive linemen some beats. Some beats. Instead, he goes for the women's basketball team, which is fine. It's so. Yeah, I think it's great um, that they did that. And Lindsey Gottlieb, you know, tweeted about it. Um, Colin Cowherd tweeted, you know, that's my quarterback. Like, this is definitely winning people. Oklahoma fans get upset again. If you tweet anything about anyone that was ever at Oklahoma before, they do not like it. So if uh, Lincoln Riley cures cancer, same thing was like if uh, – Clay Hilton was curing cancer. USC fans would have been pissed off last year. Lincoln Riley could, uh, you know, bring peace to Ukraine 
and they would still not be very happy of what was of Lincoln Riley for a Ukraine reference. Wow, yeah. we're topical. We're topical on this podcast. <laughs> I hear that was going on. Yeah. Um, cool. All right. Well, thanks for that one. Yeah. I mean, I think there there could be some jealousy, but sharing the wealth is something it seems like Caleb Williams is already doing. I don't know what it's going to be like with teammates, with offensive linemen. Are we going to get to the point where like your your quarterback is a Rolex deal and they're giving Rolex watches to all the offensive linemen? I think they would love that. You know, like it probably doesn't mean as much when every offensive lineman is making like three million dollars a year. But when every offensive lineman is a college, uh, you know, athlete and somehow the Caleb Williams gets like a deal with Rolex and he's able to give this whole offensive line Rolexes, that that's something that would be well money well spent, I would think, for Rolex, too. Right. Like that's going to be is pricey. Right. I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars per watch. But when you have a multimillionaire giving other multimillionaires like a ten thousand dollar watch, that's fine when you have college students doing it, I think you would get the Rolex thing would get a lot of play in sports media. If Caleb Williams like had a deal with Rolex and gave a bunch of Rolexes to his offensive linemen, they would get a lot more pub out of that than when Tom Brady does it to his offensive lineman. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. It's an incredible flex for a college athlete to do. So, right. Yeah. That thing but is those... trending. That thing is, that thing is going to be on ESPN. I guarantee yeah. you. For sure. And so that Rolex gets a lot of pub out of that. Now, all those offensive linemen are not going to put that Rolex in a drawer like the um, the NFL guys would. They're probably selling that and, you know, buying more Xbox games or whatever they're going to do. Uh, I don't know. Would you sell it or would you keep it? Uh, my brother's a big watch guy, so he would absolutely have me keep it to appreciate that value. Yeah. I'm not a big watch guy. I mean, I use like a Garmin watch because it like counts my steps and I golf with it. So that's, I never had a watch before until I did use it for that, but I'm not like a big, like put a fancy watch guy on. No, it just, the, the it gets caught in my, my arm hair. It's very annoying to me. I just, yeah. I have my phone. It's fine. I'm not a watch guy, but yeah. I know people are, I know people are. We got Paul in Vegas who says recently watched a couple of videos of recruiting analysts attending seven on seven tourneys around the country. Am I correct that college coaches are not allowed to watch them? If that is the case, can st- can staff analysts? What about non-affiliated scouts? These attorneys seem to be an excellent source of information about kids in the pipelines. Thanks, Paul in Vegas. Yes, if you are a college coach, you cannot attend them. But in certain, unless it's like a camp setting where you're hosting a camp, like USC does the Rising Stars camp, that lets them get evaluations and stuff like that. And there's some seven on seven going on in those situations, but not like the traditional, like we have a, a seven on seven cam- uh, event this weekend, uh, Battle of the Beach uh, up in uh, Ventura, I believe, which doesn't make any sense because there's no beach out there. No. Someone needs, no one needs well, to change that beach. Name. There's beach in well, Ventura. Well, not in the traditional sense. You know, that's an no. OC. The, battle, the true Battle of the Beach is an OC, but I'm getting off t- tangent here. No, like a college coach cannot just go to that. We have seen situations where if you are related, it's like if your son is uh, competing at like an Under Armour camp or in a big seven on seven event or like nationals or whatever, you can go to those. There's like a specific loophole for that. If you're like kid is part of that. And we've seen I've been at like two years ago or a year ago. I remember being at the Under Armour camp and somebody's 
kid was competing, a college coach. I believe it was Angus McClure. Am I, am I saying that right? The former UCLA coach or UCLA coach? It might be. I, I may be totally off base on the coach line, but I believe there was like a former USC, UCLA coach or a Nevada coach of some sort. His son was competing at uh, whatever uh, showcase camp we were at, and he was allowed to be there. So it, it happens. It, uh, I mean, it happened with Pete Carroll back in the day, too. Yeah. Um, I think Rick Neuheisel, same thing happened with his son. Uh, we've seen events like that go down. But yeah, they can't go. But they watch our videos. Um, yeah, our videos help with evaluations and stuff. Yeah, so they're like, you know, if we're there and we put isolation film of a certain prospect that's interested in USC or USC has interested in, that's, you know, they get that. It could be part of their huddle tape, but they're that's something they'll use for their evaluation. So uh, Earl and Torrance says, guys, who is the greatest Trojan to wear the number two jersey? Uh, number They have Robert Woods, Steve Smith. Taylor Mays or Adoree Jackson? They were all gifted players. So tell us what you think about each of them and who do you think was the best? This was, someone put this on, was it like USC Athletics put this out or something? I can't remember who did this, but I saw this. Yeah, I believe something. it was like a an engagement thing. Who were the first? Or the, so Robert or was, Woods. Okay. Steve Smith. Taylor Mays. Adoree Jackson. Jackson. Uh, just me personally, I didn't get to see Robert Woods play. I didn't get to see him like at, in high school or see him at USC. Really. I did get to see a Dory and obviously that, that hurdle on the sideline against Notre Dame is just lived lives in my brain, you know? So I'm a little biased in that sense. So a Dory is probably my pick, even though I respect that it's could be, you know, Robert Woods. I have to go with a Dory just because I've seen him up close. I've seen him play and I've seen him do incredible things with my own eyes. I think most of the fans are probably going to do a Dory just for mm-hmm. recency, um, you know, bias. If, if you watch Steve Smith, you know, early on in the Pete Carroll era was just an absolute stud. I didn't think it was that fast. He goes to the combine and runs like a four, three or something. Um, had a pretty long NFL career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Taylor Mays, just a freak. As far as athletes go, he also ran super fast at the combine. Someone that big and that fast. Uh, even the current coaches kind of have talked. I forget who it was or someone was talking about him and how freaky of a dude he was. Uh, I I think, and I, I didn't think I would do, I didn't really thought about this. I don't think I would lean, I wasn't going to lean towards Adore because he was the more recent, but he did win the Thorpe Award. So I, I was like, you know, there's all American status in there. Um, but like if Woods or Smith end up winning like the Bolitnikoff, that'd be one thing. But I, you know, the fact that Adore won that award um, I think I will lean towards Adore, which That's a good I, point. I, I forgot about the Thorpe. I forgot about the Thorpe. I just glanced at it and I was just like, I'm not going to pick the most recent, like I'm going to go, I'm going to go like Steve Smith or something, but he did win that hardware. So I'm going to go with Adore. Uh, yeah. Thanks Earl for that one. Holy cap. This is one long one. Um, oh boy. I'll try. Okay. Ryan. You may appreciate this food analogy. Recruiting high school football players is like cooking at home. You got to go to the grocery store, Trader Joe's, of course, bring the produce home, wash it, cook it, and then finally sit down for the meal, hoping you didn't screw the meat. You hope you didn't screw the meat or the rice ratios. Um, they're meat ratios. Maybe the spice, I'm sorry, spice ratios. I don't think there's a meat ratio. Maybe there is. I don't know. You can't have, uh, you need the proper amount of rice to meat. I see what he's saying. You can't have too much rice. 
because then you're just left over with a bunch of plain rice. You can't have too much meat because then you're just left with meat and you can't mix it together. I feel like I, I think that's what he's saying. Right, but, but I, don't quote it was me on spice that. and not rice. I missed. Oh, okay, I missed then never mind. Part. Then never yeah, mind. Don't okay. don't pay attention to me. <laughs> that's okay. On the other hand, transfer portal is like going out to a three star, four star, or five star restaurant. You just sit down, look at the menu, and order exactly what you need, cooked to perfection, or better yet, stay home and order in the food delivered fresh, hot, and tasty right to your college campus door. What do you think of these points? And what am I missing? Why is Lincoln Riley going to focus more on high school recruitment in the years to come? Why not do both 50-50? He says, one, transfer portal players are mentally more mature. Two, they're physically more mature. Three, uh, they have a chip on their shoulder to prove themselves. Four, uh, players are easier to evaluate as there's more tape on them and they have uh, proven that they can play in college. And they're more loyal. Uh, Once they join your new program, they're likely to stay until graduation of the NFL draft. Uh, and then Chris, he said, didn't Chris Rock say a man is as loyal as his options? On the other hand, high school players can be more entitled, uh, less mature mentally, less mature physically, less productive early on, can transfer the next day without having to sit out a year. And there are more questions on how they will respond to college life. Because of this, it makes more sense. Uh, it makes more sense to every year rely significantly on the transfer portal. What do you think? Fight on Alex from Chicago. And he says, P.S. Chris. Have you considered taking improv classes at Second City with Ryan? This will reduce your on-air anxiety and help build chemistry between you two. Think Abbott and Costello, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, or if you like Michael Shea and Colin Jost, as a fan of USCFootball.com, I would love to see you guys back on YouTube. We will be back, uh, Alex in Chicago. And thanks for all that, and thanks for the advice. There's a lot there to unpack, Chris. What, what do you think? Focus more on the portal. You okay. did improv? No, I never did. Oh, I thought he said that you used to do improv. Um, he said we should do it together. To uh, I have been planning to possibly take an improv class this summer. You know, it's a little bit less hectic before the season. So I'll keep you updated on that. If I do do that, um, as far as the analogy with high school recruiting being, you know, you go to the Trader Joe's, get the ingredients, cook it up, hope you didn't screw up. I can see how that being the case and then sort of the restaurant mentality with the transfer portal and then, but I don't agree with it being sort of you pick and choose what you want and then it's cooked to perfection. You can get a lot of bad meals at restaurants and, you know, I'm not saying nothing bad about them, but you know, the Ishmael Sopshire order didn't come out great. You know, <laughs> you know, that's all I'm saying, you know, and he, came in with some bad... he left, he left too. Yeah. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say this is a perfect analogy. I think it is an analogy that sort of works. I wouldn't say it's a perfect analogy. I would say if the if the menu has pictures, you do have a better idea of what you're getting just because you have a college background or maybe a college resume that you can go off more than, say, you know, a three-star kid out of Wyoming or something like that. You have just more context to who you're picking up. But not everyone in the portal is a perfect player. You know, some have off-field issues. Some maybe just didn't, you know, want to cut it out at their new, at, the, at their school. Whatever the case, there's not always a cut and dry reason why someone is in the portal. So there, there could be a bunch of different things that maybe don't line up for what you want uh, coming to your school. But it is, you do have a clear picture of what you're getting in a sense. But it's not a, you know, a complete picture because some things might not work out. As we as we've seen with you know a Sopshire or, or something like that. 
Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think it's a really good analogy. Um, but like like Chris said, if you do go to you go to that restaurant, you order. I mean, how many times have you ordered from some delivery service? I don't really like them. Like, usually something gets screwed up either in the transit or whatever. Like, it just a lot of times it's just not great. Um, so you are taking risks by going into the transfer portal, and it's also the assemblance of meals that you're getting. It's not just the you can't look at each indiv- meal individually. Um, that's where I guess the the analogy loses something. Like you have to put all of the meals together. They all have to kind of work. So like maybe you're feeding a big group and you've ordered a little something different for everybody. Uh, does it work? Um, you know, you could bring in the best player possible, but he he doesn't fit the chemistry. You know, the culture of the program, uh, and and he doesn't have chemistry with the other guys, and they don't work together. So. There is a factor of these. You can't look at these as just individual meals. It's they do have to work together in a sense. And I don't know what the the good analogy for that would be. But so there there are risks with that. And I think when you you bring in the the less mature physically, mentally, you can develop that. So if it's a dish that's not quite, it's you, you got the main ingredients there, but you the, the spicy profile isn't uh, fully developed. You can develop that yourself and. Maybe you you put you know if you get it from somewhere else, uh, the the heat's not exactly the way I want it or whatever the the salt ratio any of that stuff maybe it's not exactly there. You can build it the way you want with uh with you know it's like it's like clay like you can mold it to what you want, and not every meal is going to come out right. Um, but not every meal is going to come out right if you get it from the transfer portal either. So I I think there's a lot of cool parts of the analogy. I love these kind of things. Um, but I don't think it's, it proves that this is the way you should always go. I think, you know, I asked Lincoln Riley about the difference between the transfers and he did mention that it's easier to evaluate those guys, but he also talked about, you know, you would prefer to bring in the guys that are going to stick around for a long time, potentially, and uh, anyone could transfer out, uh, that you can develop and, and build in your own culture. Sure. Look, all right, look. I okay. got I got food poisoning at a Fuddruckers, so it's not perfect. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Never been back. Never nice. been back. I wouldn't go back either. Um, all right, Chris. Well, we, this went way longer than I thought. I, it's like almost 2.30, and I'm supposed to meet somebody at 2.30, so there's that. Uh, I let them know I'm going to be a little late. Um, anything else before we uh, before we go? No, I mean, I think this pot had a little bit of everything, you know, some some – depth chart stuff some a little basketball a little recruiting we had a little bit of breaking news on it some questions so it was a uh, definitely a full podcast definitely a full one i i forgot to mention you know keely Yor was at the basketball game it was great to see her we sat like two seats apart i watched her she did like a pregame video and uh i mean it's funny because i can mention to her like hey keely when are you gonna get instant up and she's like her brain instantly goes to like oh what do i gotta do um so she's already been over there a month which is crazy and uh, when she she was talking to those two um, high school, I mean, yeah, college, um, you know, uh, students that were lining up to go to the Galen Center early, and she said she did her like any final thoughts, <laughs> and then sort of continued on. Like she didn't, ask, she started asking for their final thoughts, but then like it's moved on. It's the muscle memory. It's the muscle yes, memory. It's it's pretty funny. So it, it's great to see her doing her stuff there. She had some SC gear on. It's a little different, you know, from from the Keeley we know, but uh, yeah. Can't wait to see what you know. We'll it'll be it'll be fun. We'll be able to see her a lot at spring practice, I think, and kind of see what she's doing there. Shout out to Keely. 
Shout out to the Keels. Uh, all right, let's wrap things up. That is the great Chris Trevino, who will be back. Next time we do this, it will be in person. And it uh, should be a lot of fun. We'll see him out there this weekend at some of the recruiting events. Uh, for, so for Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the show. And we will talk to you next time. Shout out old-ass volleyball guy. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.